Hello and welcome to Not Couple Goals, the podcast where we talk about the best and, let's face it, worst in romantic thriller cinema. I'm Allie Nelson, here with my co-host... Tyler McCarthy. This week, we are watching the Hulu original Fresh, directed by Mimi Cave, making her directorial debut, actually, written by Lauren Kahn and starring Daisy Edgar-Jones and Sebastian Stan. So this is your spoiler alert. If you don't want to have Fresh spoiled, turn it off now and then turn it back on after you've watched it. First, I want to start out with a trigger warning for violence against women. If that's something that's going to be hard for you to listen to, probably shouldn't watch this movie. Also, probably it would be hard to listen to this podcast. So just wanted to let you know that up at the up front. Up at the top. So this, yeah, this movie very much goes into violence against women. It's got some very disturbing stuff. Uh, it is somewhat billed as a like comedy horror thriller, yeah, it's listed et cetera. As, it's listed as a comedy thriller. Yeah, which is fucking wrong yeah but before we get into what the movie is i think it's important and we like here at not couple goals to go into what we thought this movie was going in and ali i'm gonna let you start because I, my answer is weird uh yeah so i i think an important thing with this movie is i wanted to read the description that hulu gave because i found it misleading and it was the reason i watched the movie I wanted to read the description that Hulu gave because that's the reason I watched the movie and I, I do find it misleading. So the description that Hulu has is, the horrors of modern dating are seen through the eyes of a young woman who is battling to survive her new boyfriend's unusual appetites. So I also saw that it was a comedy oh, thriller. screw you, Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to figure out what they're doing, but screw you, Hulu. Anyway, go ahead. So yeah, I, I read comedy thriller. I saw that. I thought maybe it was kind of a satire going in. I thought it was going to be sort of a uh, feminist satire on, on modern dating, which I, I do think it achieves that. Someone related to the movie would jump in here and be like, it absolutely is, and blah, 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 but yeah. I think it achieves that. Comedy, n no, I would not quite call it a comedy. So, it has a few yucks, but no, that does not make a comedy. And so from that description, that's what I expected. And also like, you know, the picture, it's it's got red and he's kind of standing weirdly behind her. I, I did, yeah, I thought it was going to be a little weird. He was going to be a little creepy, but I don't, I don't think I thought. I, I had no idea what this movie was going to be about. We, that's funny because we had totally different interpretations of this poster uh if you're if you're a listener go ahead and look up the poster but i'll do my best to explain it's fresh written in very bubbly font it's going diagonal she's on one side he's on another kind of like doing the like turn to camera kind of look and i just looking at the poster not having read a synopsis or anything like that just seeing the thumbnail on hulu i was like oh like a 70s dance movie that's fun they're gonna do they're gonna have some fresh dances that'll be cute and this movie does have dancing but that is not what this is and here is confession time before ali and i knew we were going to have this wonderful podcast where we discuss movies like fresh i came out into the living room one day and she was just sitting there looking disturbed and told me, like, I just watched the most fucked up movie. And she kind of ran me through the plot. She spoiled it a little because I was like, there's no way I'll watch this movie. But well, then I started out telling you, like, I don't think you'll watch this movie. Like, don't watch this movie. And it was it was actually two days after I watched the movie. That's how 
haunted I was yeah. by the movie. <laughs> and then, you know, we got this podcast. And I think part of the reason I even pitched this as an idea for a podcast was you telling me about Fresh was, pun intended, fresh in my mind. So I guess thanks, Fresh, for the idea. But that is... You know, that, that that didn't color my watching of it, knowing, I guess, kind of where it goes. I guess it might have, but yeah. I mean, this one's a doozy enough. Like, you don't, it's not a lot of twists and turns. Like, it, it takes a turn, it goes bad for her, and then it continues to go bad for her. Which brings us to our next segment, where I am just going to give a brief recap of this movie. The Hulu synopsis isn't too far off. We open on a girl, she's on a date with a guy named Chad, which, I, you know, if you want to illustrate that your guy's an asshole, don't name him Chad. Let's all be a little more creative. Like, if you want to have a woman yelling at a manager, don't name her Karen, but whatever. I digress. The date goes poorly. He, like, makes her split the bill. He takes the leftovers. It's really bad. And you just get a portrait of a lifestyle of a girl, a woman, rather, who's trying to make dating work in an environment where it is just not working. Men just lack common decency like all these bad tinder days yes like horrible it's it's awful then she has a chance meeting in a grocery store with sebastian stan looking real average which it must be hard for him they start dating they hit it off and then 33 minutes into the movie he takes her on like a little surprise getaway he's vague about where they're going and he gives her a drink and she downs it and then boom she passes out, the title card fresh comes on the screen, and basically you learn he's holding her captive. And then he goes on to explain that he's holding her captive because his money-making business is the acquisition and sale of human meat. This is a cannibalism movie. And, I mean, that's that's basically it. The story yeah. is just the, the horror that comes from that. And that's like what we're talking about with Fresh. So now we're just going to get into our general thoughts. And I want to kick it to you first, because structurally, I'm not. A, I, I like the from dusk till dawn thing where you think you're watching one type of movie and then 33 goddamn minutes in. It's a totally different movie. And I'm torn about whether or not that worked for me here. And I want to hear your thoughts. So, yeah, I mean, I, I put it on. Assuming that I was about to watch, like, a comedy thriller, I thought it, I was going to teehee. And I was, I was on board. I enjoyed the, the sort of starting with, it was like a very stereotypically bad date. Like, you could tell it was an online date. He does a thing where he's like, you would look better with makeup. You would look better in a dress. I appreciated that as a modern woman who's been on a, a lot of really bad dates. I, I was into it. It was, was even on- more, like, not sinister, but, like, even worse than, like, you'd look better in a dress. Because that's overtly bad. It was more just, like, I love how you just don't care. Well, he says to her, you would look better in a dress. Does he say those yeah, exact words? he says you would look better in a dress. <laughs> and he says you would look better with makeup. Like, she's wearing, like, a sweater and jeans. So... I was on board with the movie and I actually, I enjoyed their meet cute. I, you know, I enjoyed the fact that like she was meeting somebody in person versus meeting somebody on Tinder, which is like a definitely a different thing. And he's very charming in the grocery store. Yeah, he's charming in the I, grocery I, store. I remember being struck. I wrote in my notes that like he walks up and 
I knew Sebastian Stan was in this movie, but I don't know why I was just 100% expecting the Winter Soldier to, like, tap her on the sh- <laughs> to tap her on the shoulder with a metal arm with, like, rugged five o'clock shadow. Sebastian Stan really, and I guess it's the mark of a good character actor, he just looks like a dude in this. He's got white tennis shoes. Yeah. He's not, like, cut and ripped or anything like that. He really is, like, a believable... But Every he, man. he's a dude you'd go on a date with. Like, not he's like, very ugh. charming. Yeah, well, no, I mean, like, he's not bad looking. And, like, yeah, so I was on board. I was worried because I knew something was obviously going to happen. <laughs> I, once that reveal happened, it was so hard for me because I'm, <laughs> I'm already so invested in the movie. But had I known that's what the movie was going to be about, I do not think I would have put the movie on. Now, what I want to ask, what part of it is a turnoff for you? Is it the cannibalism? Is it the, like, woman being held captive? Like, what it's, part is like, no, that's not my bag? Uh, I don't know what it says about me that the, the woman being held captive is not the problem for me. It was... No, you love that. No, okay. <laughs> it's, not, it's not color me a weird color here. It's, it's more that... It seemed to me it was going to go into torture porn area, and I am not... That's mm-hmm. some people's genre. That is not my genre. I think I have... This is maybe going to sound like a brag, but I think I have too overdeveloped a sense of empathy or something where if I see something... It really it affects me as if it happened to a friend when I watch something happen to someone on TV mm-hmm. or like in a movie or something, and I can't shake it, and I... I also start to imagine what it would feel like to be going through that myself. So it's like hard for me to watch something like torture porn because I it's very visceral for me and it, yeah. and it sticks with me. So to know, because as soon as he's like, I'm, I'm gonna sell your meat. And he tells her part of what's like important for the title. He says, I'm gonna keep, I'm not gonna kill you right away. I'm gonna keep you alive because I can get more money if it's fresh. And the meat tastes better if it's fresh, you know, hence the title. Yeah. So knowing that he was going to cut pieces of her off, like piece by piece. And th- not only that, but very soon after that interaction, which I'm going to talk more in depth about that interaction in one of our later segments, because I fully think that was the best scene of the movie. Yeah. But um, she speaks through the wall and finds she's not the only woman who he's captured like this. Yeah. And she, like, she... It talks with this woman who's like, I'm dismembered. Like, I don't have a leg. He's he, he's eating he got me. me. Yeah, he's not, like, he's not eating me. He is a cannibal. But I actually also thought, and I kind of, I mean, maybe what does it say about me? I actually wanted a little more of the world building behind. He works for a community of people, a community of high class, quote unquote, cannibals it's like think think a little squid game like yeah that's why he's making this this money yeah he can sell it for high prices if it's fresh and he's he's packaging like personal items of theirs in these boxes yeah and i also want to make up like say up top they do a weird thing where he his like business logo is like a goat it may be called a baphomet i don't know satanism or something anything like that but they package it with this very like they're they're clearly winking at like a satanic undertone, which I think don't do that. Don't that's not cool. Like Satanists are fine people. They're yeah, just actually, divergent thinkers. They're actually that's, very feminist. That's how the West Memphis Three were unduly put in jail. It's like a lot a lot of bad stuff happens when you just vilify Satanists, and it's also lazy writing. But I did like seeing that world building. You get flashes of these people 
opening the boxes of this human meat and you see what they're doing when they consume it. For some, it's like going hand in hand with what seems like these kinky sex fetishes. Others are just like, you know, tucking a napkin into their collar and having their Tuesday. Like having it with wine. Yes. It's that part is very interesting to me. And the way he describes, you know, there there's a community and this community has money. And once you find yourself in it, there's there's nothing like it. That's very twisted and interesting to me. But so that was it once i knew that because you just know that it's going to happen to her like you just know that because well i did because you told me <laughs> well and yeah i know but just going in like you once that he has that speech to her you just know she's definitely gonna get something taken from her so i immediately was like i think i paused the movie at that point and just like kind of took a breath and was like fuck like now i'm now i'm watching this you start shadow boxing in the yeah. living room to psych yourself up i was like damn it because as soon as that reveal happened i was like i think i actually love i i love not knowing the movie that i'm watching because I, I think i i love when some a movie can surprise me i love when a movie does something different this movie did both those things so that's also partially why i continued watching i could have shut it off but yeah. I, it's I, almost, I was intrigued i'd have to watch again but i'd almost go as far as to call it like 33 minutes into the movie, it flips genres. Yeah. And that's wild. Like, everything we do here is a romantic thriller. We're going to, like, this does have a romance element in that her weapon against him is essentially making him think she's into this and getting him to. Into him. Into this and subsequently into him. And, you know, that ends up being sort of a romance part. And it's she does a she walks a very good line. But before we get like too much into that, I just want to say well, it also starts like a romantic comedy. A hundred percent, it yeah. starts as a romantic comedy, and then she's passed out. They have this very twisted scene where she's in a chain, held captive, and he's kind of still like flirting with her. He still clearly likes her. He's like, "Look, I'm a really good cook. I'm gonna take such good care of you. Yeah. We're gonna have such a good time while I fillet pieces off of you, and then eventually kill you. That part will suck, but in yeah, the and, meantime, and he, it's gonna be a party." He's also I appreciate appreciated how he was like I'm not going to rape you because obviously like you like I appreciated that the movie did that for me because yes, I, I but I found it disturbing that that was her first question because obviously that's your first question yeah. as like a man if I find myself like chained up I mean it's crossing my mind but it's not question 1 but it 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 was it also as a viewer I hear what you're saying I was like yeah thank you thank you we're not doing a rape movie yeah appreciate it we'll endeavor to never do I think something like that but I guess no promises with yeah, this fucking genre yeah you just never know but so, so that ended up being the most interesting part to me was the scene after the 33 minutes I, I, I still haven't landed on whether or not I like that genre shift or whether it services the story in any way or if I just kind of wanted us to get to it but once we do get to it it's twisted. It's one of the most twisted movies. And then I do think that's where the quote unquote comedy comes in because yeah. you have this horrible scene where she, you watch uh, Daisy Edgar Jones. Is that her name? I don't want to. Yeah. You watch it wash over her, her situation, what is happening to her, how hopeless it is. And then you kind of see him like just dancing around his kitchen, preparing a human leg to be sold and like he he free not freeze dries air dries what air seals oh yeah air seals and vacuum seals vacuum seals like the meat and he's sending it to these horrible people he's dancing as he's like throwing in the meat into the boxes and like their personal items because like he says later that the people like to kind of feel close to the people yeah like a photo of them yeah they're her sunglasses i did write down in my notes at that time of like well okay but if he's he can't 
he's getting a lot of servings out of one person. He, like, he has to just go to a dollar store and buy a bunch of pairs of sunglasses. He's fudging that. Yeah. Which, you know, cannibalism, sure. Small business, sure. But lying? I don't know. Okay. I don't think he's a great guy. <laughs> There's also... I like earlier in the movie when they first are dating, like she ends up ordering a bunch of Chinese food and she orders a bunch of meat just without really, you know, thinking what his preferences are going to be because she kind of just orders like a smattering of things. And he mentions, I don't eat animals. And I, and like that was sort of an interesting moment of, you know, I, I don't eat animals. And then to have it come into it's a cannibalism movie, I appreciate things like that where it's like, oh, so. He, he eats people. Like, he doesn't consider people animals. He didn't say, I don't eat meat. He said, yeah. I don't eat animals. But one just infers from a human being saying, I don't eat animals, they don't eat meat. But, yeah. hey, not with Sebastian Stan and Fresh. It, it, it was baffling. And I do want to talk about the, basically, her journey after he um, captures her. And I think the most disturbing part... And this was the part you told me about that I was like, oh, what a violation. This is awful. But it happens pretty early on into her captivity where she makes an escape attempt. And it, you know, doesn't go well because she's chained up and he's not he's not dumb. He's crazy, but he's not stupid. And then she wakes up. And this is, like, very disturbing. And I'm glad we put a trigger warning up top. But she wakes up on his surgical table. He's numb. a doctor. I don't think we mentioned Yeah, he that. mentioned, I mean... I, th- I think he may have violated his Hippocratic Oath here and there. But yes, he does have medical training. Yeah. And she wakes up in like a clean surgical room. He's scrubbed up and she's awake, but he's got her numb. And essentially he just tells her like, I'm I'm cutting off your ass. He's I'm taking, taking her your ass. ass meat. Yeah. yeah. And like she's the most. This was the most disturbing part of the movie for me. The part that like made me kind of want to pause and take a walk, but she's crying as it's happening and begging him to stop. And I think he's just like listening to another weird 80s song. Yeah, because he's mad at her. He's mad at her, but he's also like, ah, just a little lover's tiff. Like at all times. Well, he, he's, I think he genuinely feels, because she asks him to take a shower and then, and he's like, you're not playing games with me, right? And and she says she's not. And there's like a weird thing of where he, he likes her. And yeah. Um, and she even finds out, she says, like, when she's talking to the other girl through the wall, she talks about the fact that, uh, she says, like, I can't believe I slept with him. And the the other girl's like, you slept with him? And it turns out that she's the only one of the girls that they know of that has slept with him. And she has to take in that information and be like, what does that mean? Well, possibly not the only one that he slept with, because later on, you learn that... Sebastian Stan's character is married. He ha- he he goes to this cabin where he keeps these women, but then he goes to this like house in the suburbs with a minivan and does the whole like Dick Van Dyke scene, and then it's revealed that his wife not only knows what he's doing, but she is missing a leg. And I think what where the audience she was, meant she was to, missing a leg. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Now you've got me doubting myself. I don't think she was, but it's a plot point that she's the only one that he slept with. That she, but like the only one she slept with in the in 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 that current house of captives. So 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 he, so she didn't have that. Anne, his wife, didn't have a leg, which I think is the audience were meant to infer, infer that she was one of his victims at one point. He got as far as her leg and then developed a romance and she 
was into it or whatever, maybe not into it or I don't know, but she does help him. She is an accomplice. You learn in the end, like she's fully on board in this business. She knows where their money is coming from yeah. and she's willing to do horrible things to keep that going. Um, so I'm, I know it, it's a plot point that Daisy Edgar Jones is the only one he slept with, but I did think we were getting hints of an, a larger pattern that was happening with Sebastian Stan, where he does fall for these women. He does, well, and he's honey potting them, but then he ends up like I, falling. For I them. don't think he's falling for the women as a whole, though, because he even says to Noah, um, Daisy Edgar Jones's character, he says to her that she's special, and the way that he treats her is special then he's treating the other women and the way that he interacts with her. So like when she does try that escape attempt, to him it is like, you've betrayed me. Yeah. And it's different than another girl betraying him. And so when he he's maliciously taking her ass and it is horrible because she is like being like, please don't do this. I remember describing it to you being like, this was horrible. And it he gives me- her an epidural. And so she's awake for it. She can't feel it, but she's awake and she knows what's happening. And like, he's a doctor. He knows she doesn't have to be awake. Like that's yeah. a choice. And it's, yeah, I don't think, she, I don't think he did that with every woman, but I think we're meant to believe that she's at least not the first he's done that with. Yeah. And that's fucking creepy. And it's also, I also think now's a good time while we're mentioning the wife to mention the best friend who I yeah. loved. Daisy Edgar Jones. Noah is her character's name, but I, you know, every, everyone's everyone. I'm not going to start calling Sebastian Stan Steve. He's Sebastian Stan. Um, she has a best friend who like is kind of her touchstone to reality, I would say. Yeah, that- because he only chooses women that he makes sure that they don't have anybody that's going to be looking for them. Like they can't right. have close families, things like that. And like the other girl confirms that when she's talking through the event that she also was like new in town. She didn't have a family. But what he doesn't seem to realize is that she has a friend who I don't know what she does for a living. We see her at her office a lot, but she ought to be a private detective. Yeah, she's great. Because she's great. And she's she's the person who like Daisy Edgar Jones, she lets her know like, yeah, I went out on this date. Yeah. Oh, when Sebastian Stan was sleeping after they slept together, she took a photo. So now the friend has a photo. She has... Don't, a, don't do that. That's creepy, but... It helped in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> but so... Very limited information, but she's able to track down her friend. And she's also just the one where it's like they do show some like safety things like Daisy Edgar Jones is in this whole like I called it in my notes her yes woman phase. She finds it very empowering to just sort of like I'm just going to see where this goes. I'm not going to overthink this relationship. And in doing so, she misses a lot of red flags like him not being on social media, him taking her on like a surprise, I'm not going to tell you where we're going, like, trip. Like, it all feels... With no cell phone reception. Yes. it all, Like, meeting at a bar, like, and, and and you know, not, I think he pays with cash or whatever. Like, there's a lot of red flags that she just barrels through because it seems very romantic. And then I related to the friend, like, calling her and getting a text that doesn't quite sound like your friend, realizing that the photos that are being sent are, like pulled from Google images. And so she's like, she knows something's wrong, but she doesn't have enough evidence to like go to the police or anything like that. They did a really good job of putting her friend in this uncomfortable situation. And eventually she does some like online sleuthing. I was very much reminded of like every episode of catfish where they just like go to Facebook and it's like, ah, well a photo of a sister of a friend was tagged. And she finds a photo of him and she tracks down his wife and she goes to his house thinking she's about to tell his wife he's cheating on you with my friend. And instead 
You see, you seem like you want to dive in, jump in here. Oh no! Like yeah, instead, uh, she ends up kind of being double crossed by the woman. I she, I, I like this scene because she goes and she tells the woman. The woman's like, ah, the photo's kind of blurry. It's not really my. I don't think it's my husband. And then he comes home, and you're like, oh no. Not great. And he has the same sort of reaction when she's like, you were dating my friend. Like, listen, just tell me where my friend is. And he refuses, you know, he's like, no, I, he's not going to admit to doing that. And he's like showing her the door. And she does like a badass thing where she calls her friend's phone or no, she calls his phone. No, she calls her friend's phone phone. and it rings in his pocket. And you have this really great Sebastian Stan moment where he was opening the door for her and then he closes it and he like slowly looks at her and goes, you shouldn't have done that. And then she gets knocked out from behind by the wife, who's an accomplice, who I think was also in the middle of prepping dinner, which adds another layer to yeah. that. Like, I like the way that she called, though, and she holds up the phone, because it was a very badass thing. I don't think she... Well, yeah, we're led to believe that she doesn't believe that the wife is, is in on whatever he's mm-hmm. doing. She also doesn't know that it's cannibalism and stuff like yeah. that. She just thinks he's, like, a creep and maybe a murderer. And probably thought she was going to have an ally in the wife, like, when she caught him in that moment. Yeah. But that's not the case. And, I like, I really liked her, but unfortunately, what that means is she ends up in the opposite room, but he manages to, he makes sure to gag her so that she can't communicate through the walls with Daisy Edgar Jones. Yeah. Who, at this point, is playing a weird game that I wanted to ask you about, because I feel like just being a man, I don't get this. Daisy Edgar Jones' long con is she wants to convince Sebastian Stan she's curious about cannibalism and therefore curious about a relationship with him, possibly open to, like, what the the spark that was there between them before he kidnapped her, like, might still be real. And so he keeps coming down for these little, like, either to feed her. At one point he comes down to kind of unpack his day because he likes her. And she starts negging him almost, being very indifferent to his presence, And I'm sitting here being like, you should be using every second he's down here because he controls when you interact. And every moment he's not down there and you're not advancing your scheme to escape, you're you're inching closer to your death. You're inching closer to him deciding, you know, the meat's gone or taking another part of you or something like that. So I didn't understand the game of like negging him. And I'm wondering if I'm about to get schooled by, by by a lady. Well, I feel like at first she was just genuinely angry. So That's true. She can't sit no more. Yeah. So And it's so painful for her, you can tell. So when he is coming down, she's I, she hasn't necessarily formed her plan towards the beginning. Once she figures out, like, I'm the one who slept with him, her plan becomes, in order for him to think that I like him... He ha- and that like something is possible between us. He's going to have to think I'm okay with cannibalism. Like that's the only way mm. that he's going to think a relationship's going to happen. If she's just being super nice to him, but she's not okay with the cannibalism, that the relationship between them could never work. <laughs> so, uh, I'm just going to have my first... salad. You you go barbecue. Do you think? Yeah. So and also I think she needs to be complicit in it. Like you know. Yeah. Because if she hasn't eaten the people too, then he's like, no, you're not really down with this. You just, first chance you get, you're going to tell on me, you know? So she has to do that. So I think at first she is just very angry the way that somebody would be, like, isn't enjoying these interactions. Like, kind of resolved to your fate of like, well, I guess I'm going to die. So, like, 
I don't really want to talk to you. I don't really want to hang out with you. And I don't want to pretend like we're having a nice conversation because she knows he wants a nice conversation. And that's he wants true. to have a nice interaction with her. He and, thinks and the more she's buzz. indifferent to him, the closer he bec- he comes to just being like, all right, well, fine. I'll, I'll cut off more pieces of you. I also think he picked very, like skinny women and I'm don't I don't mean to body shame but I guess for his business wouldn't it make more sense to go all buffalo bill on it and get like a size 14 I feel like it, that's like more That's not me estimating size 14 is exactly what Buffalo Bill asked the lady she was I'm not being No he I'm asked her she weird. size 13 I think it's 14 No he says 13 because a 13 doesn't really exist and that's why it's like a really specifically annoying thing It's oh, very rare to find a size 13 I stand corrected Women's sizes tend to come in even numbers so it's really strange which leads me also to, like, somehow this, like, Sebastian Stan is, like, a thousand times more fucked up than Buffalo Bill ever was. Yeah. And I think that's very interesting because Buffalo Bill is, like, iconic. I don't even need to explain to our listeners who Buffalo Bill is. But it, everything he does is so much worse. Just He comes home from a run at one point and, like, chugs a water and then cuts off some cured meat that he's got lying there. Just, like, a little, like, slice just to snack on. And it's, like, that's a that's a lady yeah it's it's really disturbing i feel like that point is probably a hollywood thing like they're just not gonna cast they they don't cast plus size women very often Mm. it's just not not a thing that happens very often yeah it would probably make more sense to like not choose somebody that is is maybe like 110 pounds or so but yeah they're not gonna they're leading lady it's very hard to find a leading lady that's gonna be plus size it ends up being the point of the movie yeah. usually that the woman is plus size unfortunately um and then that also makes it a different movie too it's like then he's picking on curvier women you know it's sort of a um like a prejudice kind of thing yeah. so that's interesting though yeah i mean it does change the movie if that happens but yeah it, it is but- a little bit of that is a little bit of like well, this isn't so anyway back to back to sort of the plot at this point this is the part where I start finding the movie very interesting because there's glimmers of hope of her escape but they are grim well and as she starts to she's building this um, relationship with him where she starts to kind of give him what he wants where she's acting like she likes him and he starts giving her gifts um, like he bring like He'll come in and, like, bring her better food or, like, you know, he's making Mm -hmm. it clear that he's starting to still romance her. Yeah. And I think truly never really stopped because he always liked her. I think that's one of – that, I think, is actually his shortcoming is that he clearly has a pattern of his goal is to seduce these women and then turn on them. No, it's not to seduce these women. It's just – I think it's very – because he didn't sleep with the other ones with her it's i think it's her and his wife i think those are the the lone two true i think he only goes as far with those two but i i assumed that he seduced the other women in some way just didn't go as far because he didn't actually have feelings for them or like them i guess that's speculative but well he doesn't sleep with the other women like true he he pulls the trigger on the kidnapping before he can uh that was at least my read of it but So anyway, she starts to buy into this or claim that she's buying into this. And that culminates. She starts playing a very risky game where she's like, what does human meat taste like? And then the next gift that he gives her is a meatball, is a spaghetti and meatball dinner. He makes a a fancy dinner for for the two of them where he lets her out of the cage. Yeah. 
gives her a dress and she has to kind of be like you know they make a point of her like holding her like cushion that she has to sit on now and she has to pretend she's into this she's a little excited to try it she asks him how he got into it and he was like you know i didn't start till i was like 17 and then we tried it and then there was just no going back for me and he makes it sound delicious he does make it sound delicious. He also makes it sound like a bit of an addiction, which I grew fascinated by. And I went down a bit of a Google rabbit hole that will forever change my targeted ads. But I looked into the concept of whether cannibalism or human meat is actually addictive because there's a few movies predicated on that. There's yeah. a few. I think Raw is a recent one where, you know, the the premise is she gets addicted to human meat. I could be wrong. I haven't seen Raw. Yeah, I read all about it after watching French. <laughs> yeah, and so I looked into that concept, and essentially the answer is no. Could, the consumption of human meat is not inherently addictive. It is not inherently intoxicating or anything like that. But the type of behaviors that are associated with the collection and consumption of human meat are very close to the kind of addictions that a psychopathic serial killer or mass murderer or someone like that would experience. So like Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, they were all driven by the product or process of killing. And if cannibalism is a part of that, either through violence, sexual gratification, whatever, that can be what's addicting. But if someone accidentally feeds you, I'm not accidentally or maliciously or whatever, feeds you some human meat, they sprinkle it into your, into your dish you're not then going to, like, all other meat is not going to taste horrible to you. It's not going to be like that Always Sunny episode or anything like that. Which I found interesting. He's not giving a guarantee. Who's not giving a guarantee? You. I'm letting the, the listeners know that you're not guaranteeing that's not going to happen. Oh, okay. I guess here's a PSA. Hey, not Couple Goals fans, don't eat human meat. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you can't. That's not what you're saying. I'm saying you can't guarantee that they won't become addicted to it if it gets sprinkled into their food somehow. Oh, okay, but you're, just to be clear, you're not anti the little PSA I just did. Our listeners, no, no not, one should eat human I'm meat, I'm not right? saying they should They should eat human meat. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, just, I'm gonna need you to say it. No, unless you're in an alive scenario, and by that I mean that real life scenario that happened to- <laughs> so hard for you to that say. That happened to the people, because I feel bad for the people in alive. I don't, if one, one of them's listening, I'm not judging you. <laughs> yes, I right. understand why- the Donner Party, all these people. I understand why in these survival scenarios they turn to it. But other than that, you really should not eat <laughs> other people. Yeah, okay. But I'm saying what I was saying though is that you can't guarantee they wouldn't become addicted to it. Yeah, there's there's no science to determine that you would be or to to support the idea that it is inherently addictive human meat. But anyway, he starts giving it he he gives her this meatball. And she has a very awkward moment where she has to ask the salient question, is this me? Are you feeding me me? And he's like, oh, no, 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 that's a line. I would never do that. And she eats it. She seems into it because I got to admit, it looks like a delicious meatball. Oh, God, no. It's, I mean, I, that's, that's where my brain is able to look at that and like, rarely can I do this, but that's a moment where I can look at it and be like, okay, that's pork. Like a a set director made that. It's, you know, it's fine. Oh no, it broke my brain. I couldn't deal. Like I love meatballs so much. And I told you, uh, part of You haven't had a meatball since. I haven't had a meatball since. And I even told you 
that day when I was like, I have to just, I watched this movie two days ago and I can't stop thinking, because I was still nauseated yeah. from the movie. And I was like, I haven't really been able to eat since I saw this movie. And I needed to tell you the whole plot because I was like, I don't think you're going to want to watch this movie because I also don't, I know that you are not a big um, torture porn person. No. So that's, uh, la- that's the lazy person's horror. No, I, w- I, I would not always agree. I do think... It, it deals with people's worst fears, like a certain kind of worst fear. I just have a hard time watching that kind of stuff. I had this really weird fear, and I don't know why it's a thing I think of, but of like in a movie or like it happens in American Horror Story, when somebody wakes up and somebody has cut off their legs, something that happens to you where you're never going to be the same again, you can never go back to where you were or what you were like, before your life can never be what it was they do something altering to your body like that that really fucks me up that fucks me up like hardcore so this movie like fucked me up on multiple levels of like i actually i 100 percent agree there's something so like michael myers is going to come and he is going to end your life yeah that's horrible but that's what will happen but the violation of altering your life yeah either through cutting off a limb cutting off your butt cutting off your breasts something which happens to her friend unfortunately like a leg that is so horrifying i 100 percent agree there's 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 something so violating about that yeah like even if he dies there is a constant reminder of this horrible thing that happened to you and like and that's the term happened to you uh, that that is a huge violation, and that's what this movie deals with a lot, as well as the memory that someone enjoyed the product. Yeah, there's this really twisted scene where you see all of the clients enjoying the product, and that is fucked. Well, and I think it was Roger Ebert that said, I think it was him that about the human centipede that part of the problem that he had with that movie was that no matter, like, obviously you go in to see the human centipede, at some point that scientist is going to turn people into the human centipede. Mm -hmm. He's going to do it. But the problem is there's no, to to Ebert, who I think was the one who wrote this review, is that there's no going back from that because this has happened to the characters. Even if they win in the end, they have always been violated in this way and experienced this thing this way. And, like, body more like modified in this way deformed yeah and that is sort of the thing that happens to me with movies like this where it's like well even if you win there is a level of like you will not go back to your life as normal yes and they and that is troubling in the end too because in the end they very much win we're gonna get well well, yeah let's not skip no let's not skip but we're actually almost there so she Eats the human meat. She eats the meatball. And then here's another question I wanted to put to you. After she has the dinner and they actually like dance, they break into a weird ex machina no, 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 no. dance for they, a little first bit. First they do one dinner. And oh, then... I, I skipped ahead dinners. Okay, it doesn't matter. This is what I'm going to put to you though. After the first dinner where she eats the meatball, he puts her back in her cell downstairs and she throws up the meatball. She makes herself throw it up. Or she just throws it up. Or Well... Okay, maybe. I got the feeling she made herself throw it up, and this is the question I want to ask you. If he caught her throwing up, her whole plan is undone. He might even consider that another betrayal, another escape attempt, and the last time she did that, he took her ass. Would you run the risk of throwing up that meal? I thought... Purposely. I thought that it was potentially 
her just being so disgusted by it that she threw it up. But the the question is, would you yeah. would you feel the need to run the risk and throw up that meal? Well, yeah, on purpose. I I yeah, because you don't want to have consumed that. It's it's wrong on a number of levels, and it's really mm-hmm. like it's disrespectful to the woman who whose body it was, and you don't want to digest it. You don't want that in your system, and it's also just disgusting. I think like. Even if you weren't throwing up from being nauseated by the thing, you would still be nauseated and be like, I I need to get this out. I just remember when I was watching it, spending the whole time being like, I would put that in my body and then spend the whole time being like, don't puke, don't puke, don't puke. Because keeping it down is that's your life. That's your life in your hands right there. And that that was when when she threw it up. It was important to show the audience that scene because I do think ultimately, and we're going to get there, but the reason she was able, the reason she's able to escape in the end, spoiler alert, is she convinces him that she's into him. She keeps one foot in reality while going up against this man who does not have a foot in reality, which I also think mirrors very much what they were going for with her dating experience. You know, he shows her the real him and she's not into it. And he reacts violently, very much the same way that Chad in the beginning, she's like very politely like, look, I don't think there's a connection here. And then he gets hostile. He calls her a bitch. She says she's stuck up. And I think, you know, keeping that one foot in reality, being her own person, uh, allowed her to manipulate him, which is sort of, I I mean, it's not for me to say, but sort of like the, the ultimate like female superpower is men want this fantasy. They want this idyllic thing they want a girl who's gonna dress like a maid and you know you know give blowjobs while making dinner and things like that that's what you want no i'm evolved okay (laughs) um well then don't wear your maid uniform to the podcast recording it's confusing i'll wear what i want yeah exactly yeah you will (laughs) um but anyway that's that, that that's a larger rant to essentially say she beats him because she keeps this one foot in reality and it's important to show the audience throughout that, yeah, she's not, you're not watching her become a cannibal. You're yeah. still watching an escape story. So I get why the movie did that, but it did make me think like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be throwing up right now. Don't do that. I got it though. Cause I don't think I could have kept it down. Um, and also like, yeah, like I said before, I think there's so many reasons why you would want to throw it up. But once, um, I sort of, I started to put together what her plan was. I was very into that. Like, I was like, mm-hmm. yes. As soon as I put it together, I was so into it and I was so excited for her plan because I could tell what the makings were. I love something that's scripted with like, like, like I love when things mirror in a really intelligent yep. way. I so, uh, so it is that at this point he gives her a dress to go to like a more special dinner where he's pre- prepared like a four course meal and then she you know has to eat this whole four course she can't throw up in between and, and it is implied that included in the meal is her friend's breast meat she doesn't yeah. know that but the audience does he said because because we see him when he brings his her friend to the the place you can see very clearly uh when she's on the surgical table that he's removing her breast yeah um, so when he says that this is breast meat, you know that she's easy to... Does it taste familiar? Yeah, he says it should taste familiar. Yeah, and which is, I mean... It's so again, gross. Again, ten times more fucked up than anything Buffalo Bill ever did. Now, and, and bef- it, before we get into the rest, I think we should officially graduate to our our next segment, 
which is our personal favorite moments, uh, best moments, sexiest moments, whatever. Sexiest moments is for other movies, but for this one, just best moments. And I think based on the synopsis you gave me before, I know where you're headed. So please continue. There were a few moments that I did really like in this movie. Um, Obviously, my favorite one is the end that it was building to because I was very on board for it. I'll let you circle back to like better ones. But in the interest of continuing our narrative, I want to give you the the platform to say what happens, how she begins the execution of her plan. So early on, when they're on like a good date before he kidnaps her, they actually dance together. It's sort of like one of those cheesy romantic moments um, where they dance together at her apartment. And so they, they're they eating the, the dinner, the four-course meal that he's prepared. She starts crying at one point and tells him she's confused. And then they sort of have this, like, slow romantic thing that builds up where they, they end up having this really strange, like you said, like, sort of ex machina dance moment of where you're, like, where you start to go, what? What the fuck is happening? They, Why they, they play a little bit with the thing I was talking about before of, like, the audience is forced to ask, like, wait. Is she into this or is she just giving the performance of a lifetime? They both have these blank looks on Mm -hmm. their faces when they're dancing, too. And it's like this, like, slow, like, 70s sort of disco-y thing that moves that they're doing. It's, like, really strange. I really enjoyed that. If you haven't, YouTube Ex Machina dance and, and just enjoy yourself, but... And I love, like, a really surreal dance moment. I love that in a movie. I get very excited for it, if it's pulled off well. So they do that, and... I, I was getting more and more excited as I'm watching because you could tell what it's building to. So it builds to her, you know, hooking up with him. Like, she's, like, really showing him that she's, like, horny for him. So they're kissing. They get on the bed. She throws him down on the bed. And she keeps pushing him down onto the bed when he's trying to, like, he's trying to take control. She's like, no, I'm taking control. And then she kind of moves all the way down to the crotchal area. And I love this shot of, like, she has this moment. She's undoing his pants, and there's a shot of her mouth where she licks her lips, like, the way, and looks hungry. Like, the way that you do when you're about to eat, like, something delicious. And she, they have this, like, really interesting shot, and she goes to his dick and bites his fucking dick off. Yes. You do not and see that, but you do see. and You don't see penis going in mouth but you see blood and like her spitting a dick out well and it also um you didn't see her spit it maybe i missed it but there it was also an interesting sort of visual language the director particularly early on in the pre-turn 33 minutes there's a lot of close-ups on her teeth that are very like like her taking a drink her biting something they really do a lot of close-ups on her teeth and i think that was all in service of this final moment where like you see her not very passively, like, eating something. And, yeah, she bites his thing off, we'll say. And what ensues... It's very dainty of you. <laughs> she bites his phallus off, uh, spits it out, and then what ensues is, like, she's been planning this whole thing. She runs right to his, like, trophy room, grabs his, like, a and, phone. And he's very unhappy yes, with he's the fact that she's bit his dick off. not pleased. He's, like, shouting, like, he's like Chucky at the end of season one, being like, or uh, the first movie, like, banging down the door, being like, give me the boy and I'll let you live. He's like, I'm gonna fucking eat your, I'm, oh, you're gonna get it. Yeah, he's she so locks mad. him out of the room. Gets the phones, runs downstairs, rescues her friend, rescues the other girl who has one leg, and they make their way up into the kitchen. Sebastian Stan has recovered at this point. And what ensues... Recovered-ish. I I mean, hey, it cuts both ways. He will forever be changed by this horrible thing that happened to him. 
But they end up in like the grittiest fight in the kitchen ever. And he overpowers them at one point because he's got all his legs and like isn't missing his ass or his chest. Um, He's just missing his dick. But then her friend manages to grab a meat tenderizer and turn his face into hamburger meat. And then they do do the thing that I hate in every horror movie, killer movie, whatever. Once you knock out the killer, that is not time to run. It's time to finish. Kill him, yeah. It's, yeah, like, you, your friend... Or at least disable him where he cannot come Bust the you. knees, something, yeah. yes. And they, but they knock him out, they run into the woods, and they're disoriented. It's the middle of the woods. They don't we're, know where they are. We're not really going to touch on, at this moment, um... Throughout the whole movie, there was a bartender who saw them on their first date. Well, if the best friend like knew the bartender. It was her he, ex-boyfriend. It was her ex-boyfriend, um, and she mentioned that, or like she, he helped her figure out that, like who he was and where she was and all of that. And he has all the tools necessary to like find them. Like she gave her location before she went. Yeah, she sends a screen cap of her location. Yeah. and he eventually is like, "All right, well, she's missing." He goes to the location, but then after this gritty fight in the kitchen, Sebastian Stan gives chase, even though his face is ruined. And now he's got a gun and he fires at them. And that's the moment where the bartender pulls up, hears a gunshot, and he's like, "Nope, I'm out." And he just leaves. I actually really love a misdirect. It so was, I thought was, that was awesome. It was. It was a good misdirect too because the bartender, he was there throughout the movie, but I don't think so much time was wasted on him. Yeah. To where the his abrupt like fuck off from the movie. Well, they also felt, they don't need a man to come save them, and I really appreciated that. I app- like, I appreciated. It that felt as well. like he was gonna come. He was gonna be the savior, and to have it be a misdirect and have it be like, no, the man's not gonna be the one that saves the day. I I loved that. So they end up, you know, over they they manage to get close to Sebastian Stan, get the gun, boom. Goodbye, Sebastian Stan. Yeah, she tells him to smile. Yes. Which is such a great female moment. Like, I love that where she's like, smile. Because he did that to her when he had her captive. He was like, smile. And, you know, that's just a thing that happens to women. So for her to say smile, and he he fucking does. I don't know why. And he looked so much better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, he but, didn't. But then you think the movie is over. The movie is not over. Who shows up? The wife. And she's got like a henchman who yeah. appears to be either. Well, I don't care what he appears to be, but he. She's got a henchman, and she sees. She finds the house in disarray, and then she goes outside and she finds her husband. And her first and most like most predominant thought is she sends the henchman to go get the tools necessary to preserve his body because that's money. That's money on the table, which I thought was a nice touch, and so fucked up. Like she looks upset and then has that. She's like. Okay, well... Get him in the refrigerator or whatever. And then the wife ends up finding Daisy Edgar Jones, who, despite having no butt, is the person in the best shape to go running for more help while the other two just sort of camp and, you know, recover. Uh, And so she doesn't know who the wife is, so she gets attacked. Yeah, the wife wife plays that game of like, oh, thank God you saved us. Like, you know, she comes towards her and gets close enough to be able to attack her. And she's strangling her. And then fortunately, the friend heard a bit of commotion or just had the gut feeling that this friend has has been indicative of this whole time. She comes, 
attacks with a shovel. I think she, like, as she's doing what she ought to have done in the kitchen and just finishing her, caving her face And in. she, yeah, she's going like, this is why, like, she's yelling like, like... You make it, women like you make it harder for the rest of us or yeah, something like yelling, that. Yeah, she's like... And then the movie ends on a very, very, what I thought was a funny note. The only thing that really does classify this as a comedy. The two women, like, lean up against a tree, out of breath, and Daisy Edgar Jones just goes... Who the hell was that? Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was very funny. I laughed at that too. And I mean, by and large, like that's well, the but plot there's of also a, There's also a great moment of like, she's like, the friend is like his wife and she's like, he was married. Yeah. And it's like, that's the least of the issues. Like that. I like that they kind of addressed that of like, yeah. I mean, him being married is like <laughs> so far down on the list of issues that guy had. And then it's essentially credits. And I, you know, I gotta say, we'll get into it later, but I think it was a good movie. It was a tight story. It told everything. It had the misdirect. But we're losing sight of our our current segment here. Obviously, biting the dick off and then the fight, the gritty revenge comeuppance that comes from that is... It's worth it's worth your ticket price, even though it's a Hulu original. Because if you've surv- if you've made it through the movie to that point, Sebastian Stan gets a worthwhile come up. Yeah, it's, I, I love it's Jon Snow punching Ramsey Bolton 21 times in the face. It's what you'd need after seeing what no, he did. I would say even better than that. I like when somebody gets what they deserve and like because he has been eating these women to have his dick bitten off yes. is like such an extra That's what once I realized that that was her motive, like I realized it I think during the first dinner, I was like, I bet you she's going to bite his dick off. And I was like, <laughs> that's that's a leap. But I love that you made it because I could tell that she was sort of seducing him. I yeah. was like, oh, she realized that she's the only of the girls in the caves uh, that has been that, that had sex with him. So he likes her. She's using that to her advantage. And she's going to try and, and seduce him. And then she's going to bite his dick off because I was like, that is a great, that's good writing. Yeah. Cause like to have that mirroring, just what he's been doing to the women. I loved that. Well, but let's go. Oh, I'm I sorry. Say, so I would say my, the other favorite moments I had, let's, I, I'm not always somebody that's like a huge fan of Sebastian Stan. Um, I can find him a little boring at times, like not super charismatic. I thought he was really good in this movie. So when he is dancing around preparing the leg, as gross as it is, is that he's dancing around his kitchen preparing this leg, it was a very charismatic sort it of was. fun, like you see so much energy from him that you don't usually get yes. to see. And thinking back, those scenes are very important because it does show a detachment from the reality of what he's doing. This is so matter of fact to him. This is so just business as usual. And him not realizing quite how fucked up all of this is ends up being his downfall in the end. It's her advantage keeping a foot in reality and it's his weakness. Just thinking like, you know, like like a lot of men do, or at least I think this is what the movie was trying to say. Like a lot of men do of just, this is my world Everyone else is living in it. Everyone else is somewhat here to service me. And the second that stops being true, I'm going to take your ass. And it's it's interesting to look back and see all those parts knowing where the movie goes. But to your larger point of just Sebastian Stan showing something I didn't think he was capable of, because let's face it, Winter Soldier is not... No one's flexing their acting muscles that big there. He does a great job. I'm not saying he's bad as the Winter Soldier, but it's not a character with a ton of depth until you get to... Whatever, this isn't a Marvel podcast. He gets some great moments in this, and particularly the one, and I'm going to talk about my favorite, the moment where he reveals to her her situation. 
Yeah. She wakes up chained up, and I think everyone is doing a great job in that moment. She kind of wakes up being like, oh, man, I like that drink really must have, I passed right out. She still thinks she's okay, and then she notices the chains on her. And he's like very much like, hey, it's okay, like I'm not going to rape you. And then very matter-of-factly says, I'm going to I'm going to harvest your meat. Uh, I make a lot of money doing for it. I'm, he says at one point, I'm going to sell your hair and stuff too, like crazy stuff like that. There's a market for it. I end up making a lot of money. And she starts getting hysterical. She's freaking out, which is a great moment for her. And then at one point, he just yells her name, Noah, to just bring her back to reality. Uh, at one point, he's explaining what he's going to do. And she just starts to cry again. And you hear him snap his fingers and clap his hands like, no, 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 stick with me. Like, let's we're not going down that road again. You got to stick with me. It's like, it's not going to be that bad. Like, I'm going to cook for you. It's so twisted. And it's also the moment where you realize what movie you're watching. Yeah. It's the moment where from Dusk Till Dawn where Salma Hayek, like, turns into a vampire and bites Quentin Tarantino. It's where you realize, that, oh, this is what we're doing. Yeah. It's where you pause the movie to be like, do I want to do this? And started shadow boxing in our living room. And everyone is doing an amazing job in that scene. Yeah, that was a great moment for him. The way that he tells her, like, I'm going to keep you alive. It's better. It's it's very matter of fact. Like, he's clearly done this before with a lot of people. He's kind of like, he's workshopped this speech. Yes. Yeah, it's a great moment from him. He's so creepy, but still has, like, he still brings the same charm that he was bringing before. It's it's very interesting. Yeah, he doesn't, he, he his, what I think is very interesting is his personality doesn't change. Yeah. It would have been very easy and almost lazy for him to be a completely new man, to be like, ah, you know, I got you, have a got you moment. But he doesn't. He very much is still trying to woo her. He's very much still the same charm, charisma. And it's just, it's very good. It's well written. It's well performed. Before we get into our next segment, I didn't want, I didn't want to rob you of this. Were there any other moments that really stood out to you? Uh, I mean, I th- there were a lot of good moments. I liked their little mute cute. I thought that was good. Very well done. And um, the whole movie hinges on that, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was fun. Weirdly enough, like, as much as this movie made me not crave meatballs, that scene, he uh, brings up cotton candy grapes to her. He's like, <laughs> have you ever had cotton candy grapes? Have you ever tried them? They're genetically engineered to taste like cotton candy. I have not stopped trying to find cotton candy grapes since then. So... Made me not crave meatballs, like disgusted by meatballs, but really crave cotton candy grapes. So if you if you know where I can find them, yeah. let me know. DM I've Allie. Been, I've been looking like everywhere. I can I will not stop my search for cotton candy grapes. Excellent. Then I think, you know, we've run through the whole plot of Fresh. We've run through our favorite moments. Now it's time for my favorite part of this, which is we're going to get into some trivia about this movie. And Allie, I believe you have a few things prepared. Well, you, you talked about, so Mimi Cave, I believe, is the, the director. Yes. That This is her first directorial debut. Um, she did a lot of music videos before this, some short films, music videos. I think it's a very strong uh, debut. It's like very well shot. I yeah. think it's really interesting. It could use more wide shots, but otherwise. I don't know. I don't I didn't feel like there was anything sort of missing That's there. true. I get claustrophobic when it comes to, like, too many close-ups. And... Well, but I think it's a claustrophobic movie. Yes, it is. It's sty- like, it's a stylistic choice, but like, I'm like, people give me kid- a wide. People are kidnapped in this movie. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, I believe, a second effort, second, you know, feature-length movie from the writer Lauren Kahn. It's, you know, gotten really great reviews. I think, like, New York Times gave it a really strong review. Because I, I think it does something that's very interesting. I, I have not seen this movie before or a variation of it or anything like that. Yeah. 
So the title of the movie and intro credits, like you said, don't appear until 33 minutes into the movie. I do like when something like that happens because that is actually telling you, oh, this is the movie. When Noah and Steve are having dinner about 75 minutes into the movie, the song playing in the background is a cover of the Radiohead song, Exit Music, for a film, performed by Vitamin String Quartet. This is maybe just interesting to us. Do you I know? love Vitamin String Quartet. Yeah. They, I believe you're planning to walk well, down the aisle exactly, to a Vitamin yeah. String Quartet song. Exactly. We're getting married. The movie seems to take place in Portland, even though it wasn't shot in Portland. And I'm assuming it's Portland, Oregon versus Portland, Maine, which is the lesser known yeah. Portland. Although he's from like, he, I think he's from like Romania and they're like, oh yeah, I'm from Texas. And it's like, he doesn't have to be. But it would have been, I would, it would have made this, everything is creepier with a Maine accent. So maybe that could have been good. Yeah. Maine accents are weird. Gonna take your ass, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they can sound so performative. I'm, I'm glad that it wasn't. In Maine. <laughs> I made myself laugh. Yeah. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. When Noah and Steve first meet in the supermarket, cotton candy grapes, a large sign in the background is shown above Noah that says fresh meats, which I I like little visual cues like that that you don't catch the first time around. You probably only catch yeah. it. I think that's really fun. Steve, This is uh, something we talked about earlier. Steve tells Noah that he does not eat animals. I love the specificity of it, of saying I do not eat animals and not I do not eat meat. I think that kind of stuff is really fun. So not a huge amount of trivia on this one. Something no, I- it's a relatively new movie. It came out this year, correct? Yeah, it came out in I believe in March. It made its it made its yeah it made its debut at Sundance Film Festival in Jan- on January twentieth, twenty twenty two, and then eventually made its way as a Hulu original. Two Hulu originals we've done on this uh, this podcast. Hulu keep killing it, man. Yeah, they're they're, they're showing interesting movies. I mean, I, I guess I didn't love the last one. So this one, in a weird way, that there are a couple of connections to the last Hulu original we did, which was our first episode we did Deep Water. The first is that that also has some dick biting in it. She does not bite his dick off, but yeah. she bites. This, that's not going to be a thing that we do in all of our movies. It's just a coincidence, people. I wanted to address that. Yeah. But another thing I think is interesting is that there is a 16-year age difference between Sebastian Stan and Daisy Edgar Jones. Interesting. And there's, there's a 16-year age difference between Ben, ben Affleck, Affleck and, and Anna de Armas. Yeah, and... And I that's like, something everyone should start looking out for in their movies. Um, it's so so much more apparent to me that Ana de Armas is younger than Ben Affleck. Yeah. Ben Affleck looks so much older than her. It, whereas I actually think I would not have necessarily known that there was that much of an age difference between Sebastian Stan I, and Daisy Edgar. I truly forgot to look. And normally you've got me looking at that kind of thing. So, th- I mean, she looks maybe, she looks, she's about 23, I think, when this movie was made, she's maybe a little older now. She isn't necessarily, like, if you tell me she's 23, I believe you. But, yeah. like, if you told me she was, like, around 30, I would probably believe you, too. She's got, like, a great look in that way. Yeah. And him, I did not believe, I did not think he was almost 40. Like I said, I he, he came off as looking like such an everyman, like such a Joe in this movie that I didn't think he was capable of. Well, you keep saying that. I Something I think is really, like, funny, I guess, to me. Like, my mom is weirdly into Sebastian Stan as the Winter Soldier. Like, she's always telling me, like, oh, he's so, the Winter Soldier's so hot. And she, like, loves him wearing his mask. It's it's weird. Sorry, Mom. Um, okay. But so, I never found him. So, I went into that movie thinking I was going to find him so hot. And I was like, I don't find this guy attractive at all. But we've watched two movies recently where he's been the villain. And I'm like, oh, I get why he's attractive. And then I'm like, what's the other? I can't tell because that spoils the other movie. I'm not, and it's sort of new. I don't want to ruin it. Okay, all right. But we watched two ones recently where he's been the villain, and it, and both of them, I was like, oh, I can see where he's kind of sexy. And then I, I have to have a moment of like, 
what's wrong with me? Like, why am I, am I finding him attractive in these movies? So you struggle to give an anti-cannibalism PSA and you're super into the cannibal in this movie. No, I'm not super. I find him more attractive. Just a little into it. I find him more attractive in this movie and the other villain movie than I have in anything else he's been. Is he a cannibal in that movie? No. And what? does that diminish your attraction to him in any way? Listen. <laughs> All right. All right. So that was uh, the trivia segment of this this podcast. And we're going to close things out with a much more simple segment, which is, Ali, would you recommend Fresh to people? So here's here's the thing. <laughs> I, I actually genuinely think this is a, a really great movie. I think it's very well written. I think it has a great script. I think it's very well directed. I think it's... I. After I watched it, I was glad that I had watched it. And I went on this deep dive of looking up the writer, looking up the director, being very excited by this female-driven movie. I love the allegory of it, that, like, men always consume, not all men, but a lot of men will consume women, just take pieces of them without caring that they're leaving them without these pieces and just have no care for their emotions and what they're doing to their trust issues and things like that. So having it be this allegory of where they really are just, he's taking these literal chunks of them and leaving them like not the same and not able to go back to their lives the same. He's forever like disfigured and changed them. I think that that's all very interesting. I do think it's it's really well acted. There's so much that's great to it. I do think it is a very hard watch. So Mm -hmm. I would recommend it to anyone that can stomach this kind of movie. Yeah. So I did go around telling certain people not to watch this movie. I would not say that to people. But I like my mom loves Sebastian Sand, but I said don't watch this movie because this is not the kind of movie she's going to be able to shake off or that I think she'll really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, and I told you that, too, because I didn't – I told you the whole plot of it because I thought the movie was so interesting and I couldn't shake it after But I, I don't think I would have watched it but for this podcast. Um, and I think – yeah, I, I just want to – I know I interrupted you, but I want to chime in and say I've been trying to find a way to phrase what you so eloquently put just now. And I think you did a great job. I love you and your, your big sexy brain. Thank you. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I I want people to watch this movie. I see why it's getting great reviews. I think it deserves great reviews, but I have a hard time recommending it to people because I think it can be very triggering and I think it's hard to watch. Yes. I'm I'm not going to waste too much time on it. I I 100% agree. I think this is a very good movie. It tells a very tight story. It subverts a lot of tropes. It shows me something I haven't seen before, but at the same time, you got to be okay with watching some very disturbing scenes. You have to be okay with some very disturbing imagery, some very disturbing performances. Um, And it's okay if that's not you. I don't fault anyone for that. That said, it's, it's a good movie. I would recommend it to people with a big caveat of like, you you got, I got to understand what you're willing to stomach because there's a lot in this movie that, even the characters cannot stomach. It took me weeks to shake this movie. I could not stop thinking about it. Can we have meatballs tonight? No. Okay, fine. Still no. Well, everyone, that was Fresh. The Hulu original Fresh. We both recommend it if you think you can handle it. Ali, let's get into our plugs. Where can people find you? I'm at anal retentive, A-N-E-L, as in Ali Nelson. So it's A-N-E-L-R-E-T-E-N... 
T-I-V. Why start it if you don't know? There's my question. Retentive. Uh, and I am at Tyler McCarthy, T-Y-L-E-R-M-C-C-A-R-T-H-Y on Twitter. You can also find a lot of my work on USA Insider. Uh, I'm doing a lot of editorial content for the USA Network. And yeah, I encourage everyone to go give it a read. And I encourage everyone to tune in in two weeks for our next episode. Mine is Twitter and Instagram. Well, excuse me. And you can me. also find my writing on Parade.com, where I cover entertainment and uh, personal essays and such on Circle Around, the Girl Scouts of America's media site. And special thanks to Mallory Johns for our music, for our intro and our outro, the composer, musician, creator of our lovely theme song. And special thanks to our producer, Alex Marcus. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening, everyone.